I'm your host, Fraser Bailey, and welcome to the VegUp Podcast, where we talk mindset, psychology, plant-based nutrition, lifestyle, and big dreams. So if you want to get your head in the game, level up, and become the best version of you, listen in. Let's go. How to build mental resilience. Guys, I got this question frequently over the last few months from people on how do I become more resilient mentally? What do I do? What did you do? Because they see, and for those of you who may not may or may not know, you know, I came from a place where I wasn't like I am now. You know, having suffered through years and years and years of mental health issues in my teens from my early teens through to my early 20s, bipolar disorder, you know, I've, I've rattled it up, bipolar disorder, a, a severe social anxiety, ADHD, all of these things, heavily medicated, you know, trouble with alcohol, drugs, you name it, right? And I flip-flopped a lot. Like I went, I, I, I left school early. I went back to study. I quit on that. I went back again. I quit on that. And then I went back again for the third time and it only just passed. So, I didn't have, there was a lot of flip-flopping in my life and there was a lot of just back and forth thing. And how do you cultivate grit? How do you cultivate resiliency? Now, I'm not here to tell you that this list that I have in front of me is the be-all and the end-all. There's always going to be other things outside of this list that will impact your outcomes. But these are some of the common things that I've found that make a huge difference. And so let's dive into those things. So the first thing is to focus on positive content more. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that social media gives us more of what we interact with. So if you are this person who just gets your socks off on being horror-faced emojis and angry emojis on every political post and every COVID post and everything you can see and you're constantly freaking debating people and all this other bullshit, you are going to be given more of that inflammatory crap in your brain. You've got to get past that. If you're one of those people that just can't help themselves, look at what it's doing to the quality of your life. If you have the life that you want and you're happy, by all means, go go ahead and do that stuff. But if you don't have the life that you want and you want more out of life, get that in check. And what it means is that unfollow and remove all of these inflammatory pages and people and bits of content that are just constant fear-mongering and just keeping you in this state of distraction. That's the first thing. Because if you think the sky is falling down every freaking day, you're never going to build resiliency because you're going to be too busy having freaking panic attacks. So stop giving yourself panic attacks and start engineering the content you're absorbing. And so we'll start by interacting with positive people's posts more. Follow stuff that gives you value from a positive productive standpoint. Is it teaching you a skill? Is it giving you a better way of looking at a challenge? Is it helping you see something from a different perspective that's insightful and inspiring? 
Yeah, it might sound corny. Yeah, it might sound cheesy. But what's the alternative? You being miserable and distracted? That's not how you build resiliency or grit at all. That's how you erode the foundation of who you are as a person. So the first thing is to curate all your social media news feeds, curate your YouTube, curate everything. Stop watching mainstream media. Stop watching Netflix unless it's something informative and useful. And sure, you can watch a fun movie every now and then. I'm not telling you to just be uber focused on nothing but personal development. But what I'm telling you is remove the junk. Remove the stuff that's obvious junk. The next thing is reframing. This is a skill that takes practice. And I've noticed that all the people that are successful and all the people that overcome challenges and actually use them as a catalyst to then thrive do this. And the people that act like a victim and have this woe is me attitude, they're the ones that keep getting the same bad shit happen to them over and over and over again. And it sounds obvious, right? But you don't often see these patterns taking place until someone points them out in you or you step back and you really assess your behavior. And so what reframing is, is let's say you have a challenge come your way, whatever it is, you lose your job, someone in your family dies, something horrific happens, whatever. We all have a choice on, and on the meaning we take from that and the way we perceive it moving forward. And so what I mean by this is that for me, if I have a bad experience that takes place, rather than just saying, oh, it's the other person's fault. Oh, this was awful. This sucks. Why me? Oh, this is awful. Ah, and all this just pity bullshit. I say to myself, how was I implicit in this? Like, what role did I play that I couldn't see? Like, how did I contribute to this outcome? And what can I do to either fix this or make sure that this does not happen again? Or if it's not something that's necessarily under my control, how can I change the way I see the whole situation? How can I? And so, for instance, I am of the perspective. And if you listen to episode 51, I believe I really talked about COVID and vaccines and boosters and everything. I just, I laid a lot of it out there for you guys, you know, take it or leave it however you want to do it. I don't care. That's just my perspective where I'm at in my own journey. But For instance, one of the things that I think of is if I was to lose someone close to me with COVID, I wouldn't go out there and blame other people. I wouldn't go out there and blame the unvaccinated. I wouldn't go out there and blame lockdowns or lack of lockdowns or lack of mask wearing, or I wouldn't be looking for someone to blame. I would just be saying this happened. Me blaming people is going to change nothing. It's not going to change the degree of pain that I feel, it's in fact probably going to magnify it and turn it into anger. And so what I want to do instead is I want to reframe that whole situation and say, what positive memories can I take from that person? How can I keep their memory alive in me by teaching things that they valued or having positive memories about them and talking about them and keeping their keeping them alive through my words and how can i how can i let them live through my actions 
What positive things do they contribute to my life? And how can I share that? Can you see here how I just took a situation of someone passing away or even if it's a pet passing away or anything and I made it something meaningful rather than just this pity party, looking to blame, looking for an outlet to to project anger onto because that is how you erode resilience. It's how you dissolve the fabric of who you want to become. Resiliency is your ability to have an initial emotional response, step back, observe that response, reframe it from a more productive standpoint and step back into your body and show up differently, show up better. That, my friend, is resiliency. And so I've noticed that it's a very common trend, that it's not this heavy, woe is me, why is this happening? All these things, bad things are happening back to back. It's just recognizing that these things have happened. Now, how can I solve or how can I pivot with each thing? And part of that is looking for small wins. Very often, when you're trying to build mental resilience and you're feeling demoralized, it's because you're looking at the top of the freaking mountain. You're thinking about hitting the summit and you haven't even put your boots on yet. Stop thinking on such a macro scale. That is not helpful thinking because it doesn't tell you what the next best step is. Rather, focus on small wins. What I mean by this is if you are struggling with resiliency or struggling to be consistent in a certain area, what's one thing you can do when you hear this podcast today to move the needle in the right direction? One thing. Maybe if you've been freaking sedentary, sitting on your ass, doing 5,000 steps per day, today is the day you get out and you get 10,000. And then tomorrow you're going to do another 10,000. Start with that one thing. Don't worry about the workouts yet. Don't worry about your diet yet. Do that one action. One thing, small wins. Maybe if you've been staying up late and you've been sleeping in and your morning routine's a hot mess because you've been sleeping in, your first action is to go to bed early tonight. That's that one thing, small wins. Focus on the small wins, guys, because they are the things that compound. You don't get my physique or you don't get to my level in these areas by trying to climb the mountain today. It's stacking small wins over a period of time. And so literally just do something. Very often, <clears throat> the, the challenge is that you have so much inertia. You, you, you're not moving at all and you're and you're overthinking the whole thing you're like oh well i can't figure out how i should work out and you're all in your head about working out just put on your damn shoes pick up a dumbbell and start doing bicep curls do something literally just do something and through the action of doing you will often catalyze more motivation to do more but it's through that initial catalyst that you begin. So stop overthinking it. Stop trying to think your way to action and just freaking do, do. Like there's something to be said about that, guys. Some of you guys just think way too much. You're way up in your damn head all the time. Stop thinking so much and just do it. Like I am a very thoughtful person. I think about things a lot, but there's many things that I just am like, you know what? I've just got to 
I've just got to do this. And so, for instance, the podcast is one. I've been putting off season three for the longest time. I've done 10 podcasts in four days. Just starting the first one paved the way to start the others. Do something. Do something. The next thing is remove triggers as much as you can. Stop sabotaging yourself, guys. Stop walking into the lion's den and expecting not to get eaten. You know, for you to build resilience, not only do you have to actually add things positive and do things into your life, but you've got to remove the things that are the, the weaknesses and the crutches and the addictions. Like if you are trying to build resilience, but you keep drinking, why do you have alcohol in your house? Why? Just tell me honestly, why is it even out? Why have you not poured every single bottle down the drain? Oh, well, Fraser, it's my finest champagne or it's my most expensive spirits. It's my, it's my hundred year old bourbon. I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can do any of that. Pour it down the drain. Why do you have it in the house? Like the same thing applies to the junk food. Oh, well, I just ate a whole packet of Oreos. Why did you even bring those into your house in the first place? Start to behave like an adult and not a child, guys. Can you see that these behaviors are very childlike? And this is not me insulting you. This is me just saying that most people are like infants, but in an adult body where they go to the store, they want sugar because they want a cookie because they've had a hard day and they want to treat themselves and they bring it home and they walk, they walk into the lion's den and they do the, all the wrong things. And they're like, oh God, I just can't build resilience. Well, stop sabotaging yourself. Remove the triggers as much as humanly possible from your life. There might come a time where you can reintroduce these things and you can actually have moderation. But if that's not you, you've honestly got to ask yourself, why are they in your house? Because you are perpetually going to sabotage yourself, perpetually. And if you want more resilience, you've got to start looking at the things that are eroding that. And I'm telling you that every time you make a promise to yourself that I won't drink again tomorrow, I'll stop eating junk food, and you do it, you erode credibility with yourself. Credibility and resilience come hand in hand. The less credibility you build with yourself or the more credibility you erode, the more you lose resilience. People who have a high level of resilience have a high level of credibility with themselves. What that means is they follow through on things they said they would do in the moment when they don't feel like doing them after the fact. That's how you build credibility. And it takes courage to do that. That's not the normal path for most people. But you've got to ask yourself, do you want the resiliency of a normal person? And if you don't, you've got to start taking notes of what I'm telling you here. And some of this stuff's not easy, guys. I'm not here to tell you that this is going to be easy. But I'm, going to, I'm here to tell you that this is what I did. And this is the path that I walked. Slow down and breathe. It's kind of counterintuitive to everything I've just been doing and saying, right? Like I was getting pumped up. I was getting passionate, talking about all these intense things. But also take this time to slow down and breathe. Because very often what you'll find is that when you're just fran- frantic and manic, that you start making poorer and poorer choices. And very often you need a pattern interrupt and just stop and breathe. 
I'm I'm I have to do this myself because I tend to be someone who is very just go go go. I love to get a lot of things done, but then I can feel myself I can feel my nervous system straining and I have to slow down and just stop. And sometimes that means stopping all the personal development stuff. It means just watching a Christmas movie. It means just sitting outside and watching a sunset. It means just having a simple conversation with someone. You're not always doing something with the intention of achieving some outcome, right? Slow down and breathe because I think that, I mean, this is obviously a long journey. It's a lifelong journey. You mental resilience is not something you just get and and, and keep forever. It's something you have to maintain. And so it's kind of like, working out. You don't just work out nonstop to get the body you want. You work out, then you rest. You work out, you rest. You work out, you rest. It's the same thing with doing all these things. You reframe, you rest. You get a small win, you rest, right? So like you've got to splice in the ability to breathe and slow down and pattern interrupt, which kind of segues into the next point of when, when, you're, when you're doing this, constantly reassess where you're going and update your compass. And what I mean by this is your life's going to change a lot, guys. Like things that you wanted to do in your life and the plans that you had, they will change. I mean, COVID has changed everyone's life. We had this vision of getting a, a motorhome and traveling around the US and and being nomadic before COVID. And then when COVID hit, everything changed. I didn't want to do that anymore because I didn't want to be going through states that might lock down and, and, and all the potential risks of, of traveling during these times. I didn't want to risk that for my family. And I recognized the, I, I felt this urgency to get my house in order in terms of finding some rural land, setting up a beautiful house and a gym set up and a beautiful kitchen we can film from and build YouTube and coach clients from, from there, from there. And so our compass changed immensely. It changed a lot. And even as parents, it's changed a lot. So Lauren used to have a really heavy involvement within our business. So she used to do a lot of posting and a lot of those things at the front end. Whereas now that she's you know, become a mother, and I'm a father obviously too, and we both look after Zia a lot, but Zia is very close with Lauren. Like she just always wants Lauren's attention. It's very challenging for Lauren to have the time to do anything that posts on, on social media. So that's why you see her doing um, on YouTube, our Bailey life. That's like little vlogs of her just living as a mother and doing her thing. Cause she wanted to create something, but she felt like it was the only thing she could do. So this is examples of updating the compass because I'm telling you guys that if you don't know where you're going in 2022, you are not going to have the tenacity and the urgency and the grit to stand the test of time moving forward. You'll flip flop and you'll go back and forth and you'll be looking for plan B's and plan C's on everything. And you'll never get a good outcome like that. You've got to update your compass. And so very often what it is, I'll sit down with Lauren and I'll say to her, like, where are we going? Like, what is the trajectory we're heading on and coming into the first quarter of 2022? What are the main things I should be doing? Like, what do we want to achieve? What do we want to feel? What do we want to experience more of? What do we want to feel? And then based off those things, I say, okay, then if we want to experience and feel this and this, what do we have to be doing to manufacture those things? 
and then I reverse engineer it. So that's how you update your compass. Because I'm telling you guys, most people who lack resiliency, they have no idea where they're going. They're just blinding. They're driving blind through life. They don't know what they're doing tomorrow. They don't know what they're doing next week, let alone in 2022. And so that lack of clarity for you is a huge part of the problem. So you need to start getting clear on where are you going? What do you want? Ask yourself that. When you hear this, what do you want from life? What do you want? Like, What do you actually want? Because if you don't know how to answer that, that's the part of the problem. Now, after that, once you sort of update your compass, what is the next best step? So when you're going through these periods in your life where you've had curveballs, you're feeling like your resiliency is being tested, stop, reassess, reframe. What is the next best step? It doesn't have to be the whole goddamn cake. What's the first ingredient? What's the first thing? When we got back, we're in our house right now in Louisiana and we're cleaning the house out, getting ready to rent it out so we can go back up in the RV, back up to look for some land to buy to then build a house up in Tennessee. I got back into the house here and all the routines change. If you've ever been in an RV, it's a very different lifestyle. Like there's so many other things you have to do. And so my routine was different All everything was misplaced. And I kind of sat down and I was like, what am I meant to be doing right now? I don't even know what day of the week it is. And I thought to myself, what is the next best thing I can be doing right now in terms of just moving forward with helping you guys, giving you guys content, giving you guys tools, resources, growing our business, all these things. And it was this podcast. Because with this podcast, I can take the transcripts, I can send it out as emails, we can take the transcripts, we can take quotes from them, we can post it to social media, it creates social media content to post, I can send it to potential clients as an FAQ if they have a question about biofeedback or digestion or ophthalmology or anything, I can send these FAQs. So I've recorded like 10 episodes in the last couple of days, because that was the next best thing. And so what for you is the next best step? One thing. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It might be going a workout. It might be going to the grocery store and getting that healthy food and throwing all the shit out of your house. Maybe it's pouring the damn alcohol down the drain. What is the next best thing that you can do? Ask yourself that now. Understand dopamine systems. So your dopamine system in your brain is the reward pathway. It's a reward mechanism in your brain. Whenever you achieve something, whenever you get a result or do something that signals this reward, you feel good. As a byproduct of that signal and you feeling good, there is going to be a downswing. It's like a seesaw. It's a pendulum. You don't always just feel good because if you always just feel good, you never even know what feeling good feels like anymore. You would desensitize to that feeling. And so you need to have these ebbs and flows, these undulations where you might feel a bit of euphoria and a high, and then you will literally feel a biological low. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken if you feel a little bit of a lull or a little bit of like a almost an apathy. Part of that is almost like a dopamine reset of that seesaw. So if you've, if you've had a breakthrough, if you've experienced something and you've achieved something and then you feel a bit of a lull, if you ever got a new job or you got a pay rise or you made a big sale or you, you know, got this goal weight you were going for or you achieved this thing with your body, afterwards, very often you'll feel a bit of a lull. 
that lull is a biological reset. There's nothing wrong with you. Very often during those times, that's when people start getting all crazy and they're like thinking they need to go to a psychologist. Most people probably do anyway, but they think something's broken in them and they lose all their resilience and all their habits go out the window and they start eating like shit and everything gets sloppy. It's a reset mechanism. Just understand that. Literally just knowing that that's just part of your human biology gives you permission to not always be like supercharged and perky all the time, right? So understand that biological reset is an inherent part of that dopaminergic system. Another part is when you're thinking about things being hard, this is the this is a reframe that people must get into their head. Most people don't work out hard because it hurts. They don't do anything like outside their comfort zone because it hurts. And so because of that, you associate pain and hurt with something that you should avoid. You think to yourself, okay, I need to not, this is outside of my comfort zone. I need to avoid these things because this is not, this is not a good feeling. You need to be able to distinguish the difference. And so what I tell people is when you're working out, it's not the first 10 reps that really may mean anything. It's those last couple of reps where you're really grinding it out and you're really feeling the tension and you're like, man, this is feeling really heavy. That, my friend, is where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. And if you can understand that so much of your progress is going to be in that zone, in that zone, outside of your comfort zone, in a zone where it's uncomfortable. That is where the magic happens. There's been many times in my life where I've done things where it's public speaking or it's whatever, and it felt uncomfortable, but I reframed it ahead of time of this is going to feel uncomfortable and this is going to be challenging, but this is literally what fills my cup. This is literally what is going to create resilience. So you've got to start recognizing it as a compass rather than something to avoid. Hard things should be something that you walk into rather than running away from, right? But also recognizing that sometimes you're doing silly hard things. So it's, it's important to distinguish the difference, right? So like some people will just do hard things, but it's, it's not productive, right? So, so 75 hard, for example, is a challenge that a lot of people do by this guy, Andy Frisella. Now, I'm all for people doing challenges. I think it's a good way to break patterns. But I don't think people should be doing it back to back to back to back on and on and on and on again and again and again, because it's way too much training volume. The amount of training volume that you do really sets you up for health problems, I believe, later on. So from that perspective, that type of hard is not good long term. Acute hard, good. Chronic hard like that, not always as good. So I just want to distinguish that. And then as, as a counteraction to that hard going in, doing the hard things mentality, as conduits of peace and cup filling. So Guys, you need your outlets. You need your positive outlets that are peaceful and calming and fill your cup, right? So a lot of people, they love hiking. Some people love to snowboard. Some people love to ski. Some people love to paint. They're artists. What is something that you enjoy doing that is peaceful and fills your cup? 
For me, I just love having conversations with people. I love to learn about people and get to know about people and understand what they're about this. I love to hear their story, where they're going. And so that type of stuff brings me energy. It brings me peace. So make sure that you're doing things that fill your cup. You're adding those things in consciously. Schedule them into your routine. Like for us, for example, we will consciously schedule time to spend with friends in our routine as a conscious thing like working out or going to the grocery store or doing XYZ calls with students. I put that in because that's important. So those conduits of peace and cup filling, guys, are really, really valuable because that's how you essentially reset your system so you can keep pushing and doing the hard things and you don't burn out. Really important. That's a good preventative for burnout. And the last thing, guys, I want to leave you with this. Stop giving yourself a plan B. That's the biggest thing. People give them outs all the time. And it's often you know it, but you won't say it. So people are like, well, I'm going to do this coaching. I'm going to do this challenge. But if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to go to the next thing. Or I'm going to try this business venture. And if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to pivot and do this thing. Or if my marriage doesn't work out, I'm just going to get a divorce and go see this person. I'm going to bounce from this relationship to this one, to this one, to the other one. You've got to stop giving yourself plan Bs. When I burned that damn ships in my life and I said, you know what? This business, VegUp, is going to be successful no matter what. We are going to be financially free no matter what. I want Zia to be uh, have a beautiful childhood no matter what. I want to connect with Lauren more no matter what. When I didn't give, and I literally said there is no alternative plan. There's no backup system. It is literally burn the ships. It's a very hard thing for people to do, but I'm telling you that one thing is probably the biggest driver in my life. The fact there is no plan B. It's literally you make this work. And I'm telling you, when you can take that and apply that to your diet and stop flip-flopping and doing all these things and there is no plan B, you will crush whatever you're going to do. You will find a way to make it work. So take everything I said, guys, implement these things. And remember, this is not everything. This is just my experience. But take what I said and use this. Go out there today and cultivate some more mental resilience. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the VegUp Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes go live. Please leave us a review and share this on social media. Tag me. Let me know what helped you. Let me know what you want to hear more of. Let's get this information out to the world. Help me do that. And be sure to email us over at Fraser at evolvingalpha.com for coaching options and mentorship. Because if you want growth, it begins here, my friend.